I'm grateful when I came to Richland that uh, the body of Christ here had a heart for the world, not just their neighbors, but for the world. And so missions has always been a key part of uh, ministry here. But one of the desires that we had as a body and as leaders was that we would be able to raise up our own people to go. We certainly had a, a great taste of that when Mae Palmer served in Haiti for a number of years. She came home to be here uh, after 26 years, I think, in Haiti, and, and then had another almost 26 or so years here among us ministering. And, but I wasn't a part of that when she was in Haiti. I just heard stories of that. But, but God has been gracious to us and, and allowed that to begin to happen. Uh, we have the Scots now in uh, Asia. We have the stewards who will go to Alaska and do aviation ministry and are beginning to, to put things together for that. But Heather was the pioneer of all of that. She was the one who went to China early on in, in that and ministered there in part of the country in medical missions, and now has has uh, obviously been married and uh, brought Kevin into this circle of people, and we're grateful that both Kevin and Heather are here this morning. They're going to share with us. Uh, I am grateful for their intentionality, both the Scots and the stewards and, and Heather and Kevin's intentionality um, of ministry, one of the things I was talking to Kevin about, um, obviously he he's been in Hong Kong where there's lots of people, and I was thinking what it was like for him being west of 45 in more less populated areas, and whether that how how that works um, for him. And he said it really has been a wonderful time, and actually have been very busy connecting with people, which I appreciate that. They're connecting with many of you, connecting relationships, and that's what missions is about, um, of getting people to pray and help them. And one of the things that we do know in their time here, that because of the of being married and then a child coming into the mix of all of this, their budget has increased some. And so if you've been supporting them and have room to help a bit more with that, that certainly would be helpful to them during this time. Also, maybe you haven't been supporting them and would like to support them. We encourage you to do that directly with them. They serve with InnerServe, and the best way to do that is just to directly connect with them of how to do that through InnerServe, which is, is uh, you know tax deductible all the same way it would be through the church, but it just takes one particular segment out of that and goes directly to them. So we would encourage you to connect with them and uh, and find out what God is doing in their ministry now in Hong Kong. And they're going to share about it with us here, and we're delighted to have them do that. Before they do that, let me read the scripture together that we have for this morning that they have chosen. And I want to read it, and we want to dismiss the children this morning. Normally, we probably would have kept the children here, um, but just last week... They got Kevin and Heather all to themselves in Kids for Missions, and so they've heard the things, many of the things that we're going to hear today, and so they can be dismissed. If there's somebody who did not and wants to stay here, you certainly are welcome to do that. Kay told me to tell you that, but the children can be dismissed, and let's read together First John chapter 4 and beginning at verse 7 this morning. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love 
does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The word of the Lord. Welcome Kevin and Heather to share with us. God bless you. Good morning. Uh, it's, it's a real honor. It's been a real honor to be here with you all the last few weeks to get to know some of you better. I've been able to spend, we've been able to spend some time with, with some of you and just being here on Sundays has been um, really good. So I want to thank you um, for welcoming me into your family. One of the things that I have learned about Heather and her relationship here in Richland is that she is basically a rock star here, and I've learned my place since we've got married that I'm Mr. Heather, and everything really is about her. So thanks for letting me come up and uh, and and speak this morning. It's it's a real uh, privilege. Um, the last time I was up on this platform, I was a nervous wreck. And I think I had some tears in my eyes at some points in the, uh, the vows that we made, so we'll see how it goes this morning. Um, but would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time, this place that we are able to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ, to gather to worship you, to celebrate our Lord and Savior and who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. Thank you for the love that is ours through Christ, the love that we are able to share with with each other, with our neighbors, with the world. And thank you for your word that is alive and active and that speaks to us today. And so I pray that you will speak, that the words of my mouth and that the secret thoughts of each of our hearts would be pleasing to you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as Heather and I were talking about what we wanted to share with you all this morning, we we wanted to, the easy thing to do would be to come and to tell you about our exotic life in Asia and um, uh, sort of maybe uh, tell you about some of our experiences and show you some pictures and sort of leave it at that. But we felt like that would not be very helpful because you might think, well, that's very interesting and you'd walk away and... What does that have to do with you and with your life here in this place and in your world? And so we wanted to talk a little bit more about what do we have in common as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I'm going to kind of do the preachy part of this, and then Heather's going to come up and do a little bit of more personal sharing about our ministry and our life, and then I'll come back and close with a little bit more preachy part. And hopefully um, this is not just about me and Heather and about our life, but this is about us all as followers of Christ. And so there are some questions in the back of my mind as I was thinking about this message this morning, and just to help you kind of understand where I'm coming from, questions like, is it possible to 
believe all the right things about Jesus, but still not be a follower of Jesus? Or what does it look like to be a Jesus follower and not just a Jesus believer? Or more broadly, what is the Christian life really all about anyway? Kind of what's, what is the point of all of this Christian stuff that we do? And so we chose this passage that Pastor Ron read for us, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. And if you were paying attention really carefully, you would have noticed there is a key word in that little group of, I think, five verses. There is a key word that comes up again and again and again and again. Did you notice what the key word was? Love. The word is love. And I I was working off the NIV, so I'm not sure in the ESV. But in the NIV, you will find the word love 13 times in just those five verses. 13 times. And we're going to see the word love kind of broken down into three uh, phrases or three movements in the passage. And so these are the three basic phrases. God is love. That's number one. Number two, God showed us his love. And number three, we share his love with others. So that's really the gist of the message. God is love. God has showed us his love. We share his love with others. Before we get into talking about the scripture passage, I want to show you a few pictures. uh, And it'll become clear to you later why I'm showing you these pictures. But we did want to show you a few pictures of our, our life in Asia, give you a little bit of a glimpse. And I want to show you some pictures of some meals that we have been able to share with people. Us sitting around at tables with people. Whoa, that is... Let's see. There we go. This is the first one. So the first one is, this is Heather. This is pre-me. This is when Heather was on her own up in northeastern China. And this is a meal at her apartment in China with um, uh, the women who were co-workers and staff at the clinic where Heather worked. And if you look really carefully, you will see food that does not look very Chinese. There's a big bowl of mashed potatoes and... I don't know what else is in there, baked beans or something. But American food. Heather prepared an American meal for her friends in China, welcomed them into her apartment so that they could experience um, uh, Heather's hospitality and American food that for them, a lot of them was sort of new and exotic and weird. You think of our life in Hong Kong as exotic and they think of our mashed potatoes as exotic. So it goes both ways. I think I'm not able to... Here we go. This is a meal of me in the Philippines. And so one of the countries that I work in, I travel from Hong Kong to other countries. And one of those is the Philippines. And this is a group of people that I have been teaching the Bible to for the last couple of years. And so we were having a meal together. This is a traditional Filipino meal called a boodle fight. And so what happens is that the table is covered in banana leaves and then the food is all piled right on the table. There's a big pile of rice, there's meat, there's seafood, there's vegetables, there's fruit, there's sauces, there's limes to squeeze and it's all spread out on the table. And then everybody, um, there's a sink in the corner of the room, you wash your hands and then everybody just digs in with their hands. 
And so this becomes a total mess as you're eating because you're dipping into the rice and you're dipping into the sauce and you're dripping all over yourself and all over the food and you're putting the food in your mouth with your fingers and then you're putting your slimy fingers back in the food and everybody loves it. This is a great time of fellowship and just hanging out and it creates this really fun atmosphere where we're all getting sloppy, messy and eating and enjoying each other. It's a lot of fun. This meal is of Heather and me. We were in Nepal. Heather was able to travel with me to Nepal last fall, which is also one of the countries where I go to teach the Bible to pastors. And so we were invited to a pastor's home to eat um, Nepali food, which what you see there is basically Nepali food. It's almost always the same thing twice a day, every day, rice and some watery lentils and maybe a little, a little spoonful of some sort of green thing and a little spoonful of some sort of spicy meat. And that's Nepali food. You go to somebody's house, you eat those same things. You go to a restaurant, you eat those same things. It's all the same all the time. And I always get sick when we go to Nepal because of, and it's just kind of different hygiene, um, sanitation standards. But it's fun to go to people's homes, to be welcomed at their table, and to be served. You'll see the, the women in the family, at least I think there's one in the photo, they'll never sit down and eat with you because their job is to serve you, and you, you sit and eat while they attend to you. This is our table in Hong Kong in our apartment, and uh, one of... Um, our goals, uh, one of our values in our marriage is that we want um, our home and our table to be open to lots and lots of people. So hospitality for us, um, we feel, is a calling in our marriage. And so we, we often invite friends and neighbors and strangers and coworkers to this table to eat with us. Uh, this is Christmas dinner with uh, some neighbors of ours, some friends of ours that we invited into our house. One last picture I wanted to show you. It might be a little hard to see what's going on there, but that's our little tiny kitchen in our little tiny Hong Kong apartment. So this is where Heather makes miracles happen. And there's basically, you walk into the kitchen, there is one place to stand. And in that place, you can cook and wash dishes and wash clothes and do everything. And you just basically stand here. Heather loves it because she just gets to stand in one place and do everything. But it's really hard to have. Heather and I will go into the kitchen together. But anybody besides us, it gets a little too intimate and a little too weird because that's a very small kitchen. So the point is that meals sitting around a table together are often really special times, right? And I'm sure you can remember in your own, in your family or with friends or with your spouse, these special meals that you've had where it was fun, good memories were made, there was intimacy, um, there was joy, uh, there was laughter, there was... uh, Meals are often sort of sacred. Um, and in fact, in the Christian church, we, we have a sacred meal at the center of our life together. Meals are something often very significant, very important, very joyful, very uh, special for us. Now, I want to show you one last picture. You got a sneak peek of it a second ago when I went the wrong way. Um, I, don't be turned off by the style of this picture, and, and don't be freaked out. I will explain it to you. This is a very different kind of meal. This is a an ancient painting. And uh, has anybody seen this painting before? 
All right, so this is meant to be a picture of God. And what it is, is it's a picture of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, sitting down together at a table, sharing a meal. And if you look carefully, you see that their heads are sorted, uh, tilted towards each other. And the idea is this um, respect and relationship and intimacy that's happening among the three persons of the Trinity as they sit in a circle and share a meal to, together. And this, this to me is a really beautiful picture of who God is, of, of, of what God as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all about. Because remember, if a table, if a meal is a place of intimacy and fellowship, of family, community, of love, of friendship, that's what God is experiencing as God, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God experiences within himself intimacy, friendship, fellowship, family, community, love, and it's a, it's a really beautiful picture of God. In fact, in the passage that Pastor Ron read, it says in, in verses 7 and 8, First John 4, verses 7 and 8, it says this. Love comes from God. God is love. Now, I don't know, you've probably heard that phrase a million times. God is love. And it becomes sort of a very familiar thing in our Christian language. God is love. We talk about it. We sing about it. We kind of know that God is love. But I want you to, I want you to stop and think about how incredible, how astonishing that statement is. God is love. The definition of God, the very essence, the very personality, the very character, the very foundation of who and what God is, is love. St. Augustine, one of the ancient saints of the church, he, in describing the Trinity, St. Augustine said that the Trinity is the lover, the beloved, and the love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the lover, the beloved, and the love sitting at table together. God is love. Now, that's not just some abstract statement, some sort of doctrinal statement. You know, when you think about love in your own life, love is not an abstract thing. It's not a a statement. It's not a mechanical thing. You don't love someone in the abstract, right? If you think of your spouse or your kids or your friends, we don't love in the abstract. Love is something that pours out of our hearts in action, right? If you love someone, it pours out of your heart and it shows itself in actions and behaviors in the way that we, we interact with those people that we love. It's not mechanical and it's not abstract. And so if God is love, the same thing is true for him. This is not an abstract mechanical thing. Love is something that pours out of God's own heart in actions, in actions, in in his behavior. Love is something we express in relationships. It's something we say with our words. It's something we show, we do it, we live it. And the same thing is true for God. God is love. It's the, I mean, that is the center of who he is. It's the essence. It's the foundation. And everything else that we could say about God Uh, You know, he's just, he's holy, he's sovereign, he's powerful. Anything else that we could say about God um, 
is qualified by the fact that God is love. Anything else that's true about God is in the context of his love. Okay, so this is our, I've, this has all been just sort of the, the introduction. God is love. Now let me ask you about your, your own experience of God, your relationship with God. Is, is that how you experience God? That God for you is love. That you have experienced God as the one who has poured out his love out of his heart and, and actions towards you. What God has done and what is so beautiful about a picture like this is that within himself, God is pouring out love, the Father to the Son, the Son to the Father, the Father to the Spirit, the Spirit to the Son. God is pouring out love within himself, and he has turned toward you, and he has taken that love, and he's poured it out to you, and he's poured it out to me, and he's poured it out in actions, in his behavior. Is that how you have experienced God? Do you relate to God as the God who is love? The God who loves you, the God whose love for you is the same love that he shares within himself. Is that how you talk about God? That when you talk about God, he is this God of love who pours love out of his own heart. I think that as I was reflecting on this scripture passage and what it means and kind of preparing to talk today, I I think that a lot of Christians forget that God is love, that the, the base foundation of the Christian message, the base foundation of the gospel is that God is the God of love. And we kind of forget that. And we think that, you know, we think of other things, maybe judgment or anger or, or wrath or power or, or these other things. But do we relate to God as the God of love? Um, I think for some of us, because of who we are and our background and how we're raised and sort of the values that we have, it's a lot easier for us to think about God in other ways. It's easier to think about God as this very powerful person, which which he is. It can be easier for some of us to think about God as being a God of judgment. And maybe that's how you primarily approach God as this God of judgment who's always looking for faults in you. Uh, as a God who is demanding and is expecting things of you, a God who is indifferent and really ultimately doesn't care very much about you. Um, But is God for you the God of love? God loves you. God loves us. God so loved the world because that's who he is. That's what he is in himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, I believe God is not capable of not loving. God is not capable of not loving because God is love. All right, so that's the first phrase. That's the first movement. God is love. But there's, an, there's a second important movement. There's a second very important phrase, and this is verses 9 and 10. And it says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God has 
shown us, he's demonstrated, he has proven his love to you and me by sending his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice on the cross. Without that, without that piece of the picture, without the cross, all of this talk about God's love would be, it would just be very generic. It would be very, what would it mean to talk about God's love? How do we define it? What does it look like? We know how to define God's love. We know what it looks like. It looks like that. It looks like sacrifice. It's expensive. It's costly. It costs God absolutely everything. So I showed you these pictures of the table, uh, this idea of fellowship, of of intimacy, relationship, and community around the table. And I think what has happened in the cross is that God has put a seat at the table for you and me. God has invited us to his table. God has extended his table to us. And the invitation to the table to you is the most costly invitation ever given. It is the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And through that cross, you and I, we are invited to have a seat at the table with God. We are invited to sit at the table with the lover and the lo- beloved, the lover, the beloved, and the love. There's one last phrase, one last movement that's very important here, and this comes in verses 11 and 12. And it says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So you see, it starts with God is love. So he is in himself. God is love. Second way, he has proven it, demonstrated it, shown it to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. He's given us a seat at the table through Jesus. But there's a third very important part, and it's this. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. See, because you've been invited to the table. You have a calling to invite other people to that table because we've experienced the love of God through Jesus Christ. We have a calling to extend that love to others. We have a calling to show the love of God to other people. So Heather and I are in no way perfect examples of this, um, but this is how we try to live our life in Asia. So I don't know what you think a missionary life is like or what you think we, our attitude is. We're just trying to do what we're all called to do. And that's to live in God's love and to share that love with other people, to to put a seat at the table for other people. And we're just doing it in Hong Kong. We're doing it in Asia, but we're not, it's the same calling that you have. And so Heather's going to come up and share a little bit about what that looks like for us in real life. So in order for me to share a little bit more about what it looks like for us to extend our table in Hong Kong, I'm going to back up a little bit and give you guys a little bit of both of our stories um, and how our lives came together, because I think that helps you to understand more. So both of us were raised in believing families um, that were actively involved in our local churches. For me, that was here. Um, For Kevin, that was in Michigan. And this set the stage for both of us to be brought to the table, to be brought into that relationship with God at a really young age. 
Most of you know my story and how I came to live overseas. Um, But for those of you that don't, I'll just briefly review it. I grew up in this church, and through all of the various education programs I was a part of, including Kids for Missions, um, a seed of an idea began to be planted in my mind that maybe God was calling me to live overseas one day. As I got older, I had experiences working with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and during that time, especially working on the reservations here in South Dakota, I became much more aware of the injustices of the world. And I was a kid who thrived in math and science classes, and so kind of putting these thoughts together, I started to wonder if there wasn't a place for me to study medicine, um, to be able to practically love people so that they would be able to learn more about God. And I had an idea that maybe using medicine, it would allow me to go places that traditionally missionaries aren't allowed to go. So my education progressed, and this idea also progressed. Um, I became even more aware of opportunities and experiences. I had cross-cultural experiences, including um, a summer trip to China, working with uh, Dr. Peter Burgos, who's one of the other missionaries that Richland supports. And while I was there, I caught a vision really clearly of what it could look like to do medicine overseas in a place where missionaries typically can't go. And I fell in love with the work, I fell in love with the people, I fell in love with the culture, and I love the variety, that it, the type of work I got to do, working in an international clinic and in orphanages, nursing homes. It seemed like the dream was finally coming to fruition. And finally, after all my education was done, I was really excited when Dr. Burgos and the other doctors in the group invited me to come back and to work as a faculty physician there. So I felt that I had this call and my education was finished and I felt that I had the support of all of you, but I needed a bridge between here and there. And so I started to investigate a sending organization that would be able to help serve as that bridge. And as I did more research, InnerServe seemed to be the one that quickly rose to the top. Um, InnerServe is an organization that focuses on working in difficult places, the sort of places where you can't have a visa that says that you're a missionary or a pastor. InnerServe also has a holistic focus. By this I mean that it focuses on whole person ministry, ministry to both the physical and spiritual person. But it's also a holistic perspective um, in general, that has an idea that ministry is not just a nine-to-five sort of job, um, but it's whole life ministry. Uh, ministry in what we do professionally, but also ministry to our neighbors and within our communities, with local church involvement being a key part of that. Um, so after several months of thinking and preparing and working with InterServe, in 2013 I moved to northeastern China, and I loved my work there. Um, I was teaching Chinese physicians. I was mentoring my coworkers in the clinic. Um, I also was able to do language study and had time to also build relationships in the community with my neighbors um, and other people that were living nearby. So before I can continue with my story, though, I have to back up a bit and tell you some of Kevin's story. Um, some of you have had the opportunity to get to know him more um, over the last several weeks, Um, but for those of you that don't, I'll introduce some more to you. Um, As I said, Kevin grew up in Michigan in a believing family and came to know the Lord at a young age. Uh, 
His dad was a teacher, so they took these long summer cross-country road trips, and during this time, he also developed a love of travel and adventure. And God continued to work on his heart as he got older. And while he was in college, he had a strong sense that God was calling him to ministry. But he was pretty sure he never wanted to be a pastor. Um, He had a lot of cross-cultural experiences when he was in in college, and one of these was to Hong Kong, where he worked with a Christian-led camp teaching English. And this was a really powerful trip for him, and he caught more of a vision of God's work in the world. So after he finished college, he sought out a lot of different experiences to see where God was leading him in cross-cultural ministry. He taught, in, he taught English in China for more than a year. Interestingly enough, the city that was, he was in was just a short train ride from the city that I would one day live in. Um, he also did some short-term experiences working in justice ministry as well as sustainable agriculture. And through this kind of circuitous route, eventually God led him to seminary. And he found himself eventually, much to his dismay, working as a pastor in Boston, Massachusetts. He was there for several years, working in a cross-cultural um, church that had a really broad ethnic mix, uh, though there were a lot of Asians there. And after a few years, he felt called to go back to his home church in Michigan and to work as a pastor there. He continued to be involved in cross-cultural work. Surprisingly enough, there's a large Japanese outreach ministry there um, because of the industry in Michigan. Um, it attracts a lot of Japanese businesses, and he was a key part of that. But God continued to work in his heart and his mind and to lead him to thoughts of actually living overseas, not just engaging with cross-culture communities here, but to go overseas. And Asia seemed to be the common thread through all these experiences. So he became aware of an opportunity to work with an organization called SALT that was based in Hong Kong. And SALT is an organization that focuses on teaching pastors across Asia, And their focus is unique in that they focus on pastors that are low income, low education, and probably have no opportunity to go to any sort of formal schooling. Um, This may be because they live remotely or they don't have money or they may not even know how to read. So as he explored this more, it seemed like the right fit for him to move to Hong Kong. And he also needed a bridge organization to help him get there. And similar to me, he went through a process and found that InnerServe seemed to be the best fit. So in January of 2016, he moved to Hong Kong, um, where he would work based there to be able to teach pastors all across Asia. Now, some of you may be wondering why Hong Kong is the base. Um, Hong Kong makes a lot of sense. Although it's technically a part of the mainland of China, It has its own government and culturally is different because it was previously a British colony and falls under a special set of rules within the Chinese government. It's similar to how Puerto Rico and the U.S. have a relationship. Hong Kong and China have a similar relationship in that China is over Hong Kong, but Hong Kong is separate. Um, What this means for us practically in Hong Kong is that it's much more open and free in terms of politics and religion than it is in the mainland. For example, the internet works without any problems and without any firewalls, and churches are free to practice religion and evangelize openly, which, as most of you know, is quite different than the mainland. So you guys are maybe starting to see how Kevin and I's stories are coming together. In January of 2016, I was preparing to go to 
the annual conference that InnerServe has in Thailand, a time of connecting with our team working in China, a time of refreshment, and for me, a time in a green, beautiful place away from the gray dinginess of the city that I was living in. Kevin was also preparing to go to the same conference, but he had different thoughts about it. He thought, I've just moved to Hong Kong. I don't know anyone on this team. My life in Hong Kong is so different than the people that are working in the mainland of China. How will I connect with anyone? Well, this is the conference where we met. Um, and as we got to know one another more and got to know about one another's faith and callings, we began to feel more of a connection with one another. And we parted ways at the end of conference, but then started to communicate through email and eventually text messages and phone calls. And we made a couple trips to visit one another at our respective homes in Asia, um, and were able to also meet one another's families. So we were engaged by the Thailand conference of the following year, and we were married right here um, in August last year. So after we got married, as I shared, um, Hong Kong makes much more sense to be a base for Kevin's work. So I moved from northeastern China down to Hong Kong. This was um, a difficult move for me, if I'm honest, because I had been in northeastern China for close to five years at that point. I had relationships. I was able to communicate clearly in Mandarin Chinese um, with my coworkers and friends. Um, I felt like I had figured out my role and my place in the work, and suddenly I was in a new place and trying to figure out what my life in Hong Kong looked like. What does ministry look like? And for both of us, there was the new experience of being married and trying to figure out what does it look like for us to do ministry together. To be honest, we're still really new into that. Um, we've been back in Hong Kong about nine months, and we're still working out what does it look like for us to extend the table of God's love for us as a couple in Hong Kong. Um, we both have things that fill our days. Kevin is working with salt. He spends most of his days going into the city in Hong Kong, writing and developing curriculum, practicing curriculum that then um, he goes and teaches about once every one to two months, going for trips of one to two weeks at a time to various places across Asia. He shared about the Philippines, Nepal. He's also been Myanmar and Thailand and Vietnam. Um, for me, my days are not quite so obvious. Um, I spend part-time volunteering with an organization called Eden Ministry. Um, it's an organization that works with women and trafficking and prostitution. And the primary work that I'm involved in in Hong Kong is doing outreach to these women. So I get to go out in the evenings on the streets of Hong Kong to some of the kind of dark and scary places and to try to build relationships and to... Um, share the love of God with these women, to let them know that they are loved and that they're not forgotten, and that there's room at the table of God, even for them. It's been an amazing thing for me to see how God has um, used this. Most of the women that I work with are actually from the mainland of China, so they speak Mandarin Chinese. So all of the years that I spent studying language have not been wasted. Um, in addition, they view me as somewhat similar to themselves, because they view both of themselves and me as an outsider to Hong Kong, but still they have this idea that I lived where they live and that I know where they come from. And it's been neat to see how God has used the previous years that I had on the mainland to prepare me for this time right now. Um, we were just able to open a community center with Eden in the city and are hoping that God will use that to create more opportunities to help women who are interested in leaving this lifestyle 
and eventually um, pursuing other um, pursuing other careers as well as coming into relationship with God. I'm hoping that as the community center starts to grow and flourish, there's going to be more opportunities for me to use medicine through that, whether it's through public health or directly seeing women. But a key part of that is that um, I need to be licensed to practice medicine in Hong Kong. And the process there is quite long and complicated. It's much more complicated than it was to work in the mainland of China. So I've started the process, but we're not exactly sure what it's going to look like and how long it's going to take. And that's something that you guys can be praying for. So I've shared about what Kevin does with SALT, teaching pastors, and what I do with Eden. But really, these things are just a small part of what we do. Um, Yes, they're the ways that we can extend and invite others to the table. um, But like I said, we have an idea of whole life ministry, not just nine-to-five sort of ministry. So the other parts of our life probably look really similar to yours and the ways that we're trying to um, extend our table. We're both a part of small groups through our church. Um, I meet with women, Kevin meets with men, and we're both a part of a group of couples that meets in our community. We also love to literally extend our table by inviting friends and neighbors to come over for meals and board games and hopefully conversations that point them to Christ. And we're really involved in our local church there. Kevin serves as an elder, and I serve as a regular Sunday school teacher. Um, And we're expecting a child in November, as I think everyone knows by now. Um, And we're really excited to see how God will use use her in our life and our family to continue to build community, to build relationships in our community around us. So we're really thankful for your involvement in this ministry. Those of you that support us financially, the words of encouragement we get through emails or notes or responses on my blog, and with prayers. Without you, we would not be able to extend the table to people in Asia. Um, Like Pastor Ron said, as we anticipate our child's birth, we do have increased financial needs. So if you're interested in learning more about that, Um, or you're interested in getting our updates, if you don't get them right now, feel free to talk to us afterwards. And we also put prayer cards on the back welcome table. For those of you that don't have them or maybe have misplaced them or want extra copies, feel free to take as many as you want. Heather's dad, Rod, um, has joked that it took two Midwesterners going to Asia to meet each other and get married. So God moves in mysterious ways, right? Um, so I just want to wrap up with um, just a couple of comments. God is love. He is the lover, the beloved, and the love. God has demonstrated his love to you, and to me, he's opened up his table to us through the cross of the Son, Jesus Christ. But then God calls us to share that love with others, that uh, the proof of our relationship with Christ, the demonstration of our faith, is that we love others. Um, And so my question for, for you, and it's the question for all of us, is who is God calling you to love? What neighbor, what stranger, maybe what enemy Is God calling you to love? In what ways is God calling you to extend that table of love, of uh, of love to others? Now, this um, I think this has some really um, messy and uncomfortable ramifications. um, That as followers of Jesus, we are called to demonstrate the sacrificial love of Jesus 
not only to the people we like, but especially to the people we don't like or the people we don't get or don't understand or don't know how to relate to, the people we might not necessarily want to invite to our house to come and have dinner, we are called to extend the love of Jesus to those people. Now, I know for you, because it's true for me, there are certain people who for you are those people. You know, those people, the kind of people that you sort of roll your eyes at, you sort of, those people. And I want you to think for a minute, who are those people for you? The people that you do not find it easy to love, that you do not even find it easy to like, that you don't necessarily want to be with. Who are those people for you? And and I really have no idea who it is for you. It could be African-Americans, could be Mexicans, it could be Uh, Republicans, it could be Democrats, liberals, conservatives, city people, country people. Who are those people for you? Because I think that's where the rub for each of us comes. That God calls us to demonstrate the sacrificial love of Jesus to those people. Who is that for you? Who is that for Richland Church? Who is that for your family? If we do not love, I would say that We are not followers of Jesus. We may be believers of Jesus, but not necessarily followers. So what does it look like for you to demonstrate the love of God in Christ to your neighbor, to a stranger, to your enemy? Let's pray. God, all we can do is stand in awe and be astonished that you are love, that the very definition of who you are is love and that you have demonstrated it in the most expensive possible way through sacrifice literal sacrifice of your of of your life of the life of Jesus Christ and so we i mean what can we do but thank you and to receive your love and to just stand and be bathed in your love and to take our seat at the table that you have offered to us but lord help us to be people who live love, who demonstrate love so that when the world looks at us, they don't see selfishness or hypocrisy or hate or judgment. They may misunderstand us and not understand what we're about or our motivations, but may they see love in us. May they see the love of Jesus Christ in our lives, in the way that we live, in our actions, our behaviors, our words. May we be people who always, first and foremost, are trying to extend the love of God, who are trying to show the love of Jesus, even to those people, even to the people that we find it the hardest to. God, give us grace to be people of love. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Heather, um, I think it might be good before you just not to sit down. Kevin, can I just have you and Heather make your way to the back? And then as we're dismissed, let's stand together. And you will want to visit with them possibly, and they'll be back there for you to do that. We're grateful for what they've shared. Let me close with this doxology out of the book of Romans, where we're headed next. I think it has application to what has been said today, and I'm grateful for what Kevin Heather have shared. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings 
has been named known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Part of the obedience of faith is to love, to extend the table to the only wise God to be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. Go in God's peace.